Hello again. Welcome to the Phil Arlinghouse program, where I'm your host, Phil Arlinghouse. We spend the next hour just talking about life, politics, my campaign, and other nonsense stuff. Nah, not really nonsense. We talk about the nonsense that the Democrats do, and also the other Republicans who are really, you know, doing some nonsensical stuff. I'm excited that you chose to join me during this hour. Whether you're at work, at the gym, in your car, commuting back and forth to work, or you're home, you're sitting home, you're alone, drinking a glass of scotch, really just depressed with your life. Thanks for tuning me on. I hope to pull you out of that for, uh, that went a little dark there. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm joking. If you're home alone, great. Welcome in. Um, you know, I, I want to be here for you every, every week, every day. If you stock me up for, you know, don't listen to me for a month or so. And then you binge on me for a week or so. Um, I'm getting some of that clip. Blips in here again, I noticed just a second ago, and I hope that it doesn't go too far. I uh, don't know why it's doing that, but it is. Just trying to work out that details. I'm, I've got a great setup now, and I love it, but there are these little hiccups that just started the last podcast in this one. Don't know why, but it has. So I was, uh, earlier I was having the discussion, actually I wasn't having it, two older gentlemen were having it and I was, happened to be producing their show and they were talking about leadership, particularly the lack of leadership in churches today. It got me thinking, why is there a lack of leadership in the churches today? Is it because there's truly a lack of leadership or a lack of leaders in the church or is it something else entirely now I I happen to think it's a bit of both I think it's a lack of leadership in the church currently and I think it's just not going about the right way Um, newer generations are not going so I'm going to talk about one of my points of issue this this campaign is a next generation issue. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that inside this leadership discussion. And because I, I believe the next generation, one, it's already here. So I am talking about the current generation, my age, a little younger, and a little bit older than me. We're now taking the reins away from... Uh, some of the older generations, some of the previous generation, some of the generation before that. And I think we have to do more of that and go, guys, we're ready. Let us have this. Now, I'm not saying everybody in my generation, in this next generation bracket that I'm going to be talking about, is ready to take those reins. And I think some of those people exhibit that, even people my age, uh, one of those persons I'm definitely thinking of is AOC. I don't think she's ready to take a leadership position. And unfortunately, she's in the house. Um, you know, she 
uses her power to abuse, spit out lies, don't even have facts. That's not what a leader does. Um, one of the things with the lack of leadership is I, I see that we've let the previous generation do everything. And so my generation has to kind of stand up and figure it out. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we had leaders of the previous generation and those who are still currently leading. But we, we're having this lack, this disconnect with the previous generation and and stepping into those new roles because one we're not been allowed to uh, start taking leadership position now this could be a variety of reasons one the previous leader may have felt threatened by the newer generation and didn't want to give up power and as the younger generation we do not need to just take power we need to help the older, the previous generation give that power over. Uh, part of that is I, I think there's a lack of uh, maturity uh, in the younger generation. Uh, we are definitely a you know microwave generation, a want everything now, and why? Why am I not there? Why am I not you know this or that and and you know, there's there is an issue where there's been some of this in my life. Why am I not a pastor of a church yet? Why am I not even on staff as a pastor at a church? You know, and and I have to think of myself, there's gotta be reasons for that. Some of that reasoning is I believe I've been called to run for office first. And that's what I'm doing now. But that's also having awareness to understand that and to work within that calling. However, there is this other idea of uh, that lack of maturity that people just take power. They start a coup and force pastors out when it's not their time to go out. And then people see that and see neglect uh, that they're neglecting what the shepherd what the uh, sheep want, what the church wants in like an area of, of church or even in business. See, you know, you force out a CEO who's doing phenomenal and then you you put in someone younger who doesn't know what they're doing and destroy the company. Or they may not necessarily be younger, but they're the next person in line and they don't know what they're doing. I also think there's a lack of leadership from the position of the leader. Yes, there's a leader, but they're a pushover. They do what people ask all the time instead of going, no, that's not what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I see this sometimes in the church where the leader will be everything to all men. And it and it goes about to their downfall or the church's downfall or, or whatever. They try and do too much instead of doing one thing. Or just a couple things. They try and do everything. They try and be the pastor, the worship leader, the the children's minister, the you know, the groundskeeper, 
everything like that. One, because they think, as the leader, I got to do all of this. And then people keep adding stuff to their plate. Oh, yeah, we need someone to be head of this committee and that committee and this group and that group. And, oh, we really need to do this thing on, on this day. And, and, you know, and it's too much for them. Or they try to be that way because they're, they're a dictator and don't want to delegate. That will also bring about the downfall of a pastor in the church. I've seen that happen as well. But as the younger generation, who do we look to as models of true epic leadership that we can aspire to? As I look to that question, to ask myself, how would I govern as a United States House of Representatives? What would my role be? How, how would that shape my life to see as a leader? Unfortunately, I don't have too many direct relationships with people I would say is true leaders. I know if there's pastors, friends of mine, they might be a little offended to hear that. And I'm not necessarily talking about pastors at my local level. I'm talking about leaders of other things, especially when I go into to like this the political arena. Where are the true leaders in the political arena today that I can actually look to and aspire to be like? Right now, there's there's really not much to to look to and aspire, and I don't want to trash anybody, and I'm not. That's not my case. I just don't feel like there is any real solid statesmen or stateswomen anymore. All the people that have really done a phenomenal job or, or in this case a fantastic job are, are now gone. You know there, there's really really one one exception and I think that's our president and I'm not just saying that because he's our president and and I'm running and trying to work with him. I'm not saying that at all. I, I'm I'm truly saying that I think he's the only one who's leading in a good way, in a solid way. He's done more good for this country the last four years than the last three or four presidents combined. That, that's going back to the Obama years, the eight years there, 16 years with Bush, uh, 24 years with uh, Bill Clinton. And even the four years of H.W. Bush. Trump's done more in this four-year period for the betterment of our country than those four presidents combined in their 28 years in office. And of course, some of those had more years than that in a political office. I mean, it's just absolutely insane that a man who's never had political experience comes in and he does more good for this country. And maybe that's maybe that's the thing of it. Maybe because he hasn't had this political experience and this bias of this is how politics works and this is how you have to do it. Maybe that's why he's he's really good at this position and a really good leader. You know, I, I really think even even leaders who leaders should be visionaries to try things even if it fails. 
So even though he's had several bankruptcies in businesses, he tried them out. He didn't just sit around and go, oh, that would be a good idea, but I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should do that. Trump stakes. I don't think I should do that. No, he said, okay, let's do that. And let's try that. Didn't do so well. Trump University. Now, there's a lot of people trying to say, oh, that was a scam thing, whatever. He tried it. Some of the people that did it didn't attend the seminars, didn't really go through it, didn't do anything. So their stories is BS. But he tried it, and it didn't really work. And it's, it's hard to do something. It really is. And he's he's been doing that for a while. Leading businesses. Leading a multi-billion dollar company. In several different economic climates. He led them under the beginning of the, the Reagan years, which weren't so great. Because we were still coming out of out of the Carter years and and some economic downturn of the 70s. We were still having to do that in the beginning of the 80s and having to come through that. And then when Reagan really took charge and really took off and was able to do his things, you know, the economy turned around. And, and a lot of the stuff in, in the 90s wasn't really Bill Clinton stuff. It was still the stuff coming after from Reagan. But people want to tell you it was Bill Clinton's economy. You know, I mean, it, uh, it's not that it's a terrible, terrible thing to be a businessman, to make billions of dollars. You know, President Trump has probably seen more money than most of us will ever see in our lives. And yet, he leads for the people. He, he's concerned with us. That's what the amazing thing is. Most people and billionaires, they don't care about us. They care about themselves. I'm in the gated community. I've got security. I've got, I mean, come on. But President Trump gave up that lifestyle to serve the United States, to serve the people of the United States. That's what a true leader does. He leaves his privileges, his riches, and he comes down and works with the people. I really truly believe that he cares about this country. I mean, just the way he talks about this country, he loves this country. I love this country. I think this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. The greatest country to ever be on the face of this earth. You know, so I say to the next generation, if you truly want to see what a leader does and how he behaves when it comes to making decisions and putting whatever the thing is, if it's a business thing, if it's the country, if it's whatever, look at Donald Trump. I'm not asking you to look at his personal lives I'm asking you to look what he does as a leader. Right? He's led businesses. Made them successful. Kept them successful. 
even an economic downturn like the Obama years. His companies were still successful. He was still growing and expanding that business. That's what a true leader does. And now we have him as president. What is he doing? He's working on the behalf of the people. And some people are like, no, he's not. He's just doing stuff for himself. He put through the best tax cut ever. One thing, done. Okay. He led through the nonsense of the Russian collusion hoax. He's led through a whole bunch of different things. I mean, just look at the way, honestly, the way he's leading through the COVID-19 crisis. If you just take that one event, he surrounded himself with a group of people who actually knew what they were talking about when it came to this, this disease. Whether it was specifically they knew something about this one disease, which probably did not. They probably heard about it in a paper one time about it being in, 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 in certain types of animals. That's probably all they knew. Did know what they truly knew was medical background. They had medical background, medicine, uh, science, biology, chemistry. They had all that type of knowledge, and he surrounded himself with that. A true leader, when he lacks knowledge in a certain area, he surrounds himself with the people who has the knowledge in that area. There's one thing Dr. Fauci has been very impressed with President Trump. That Trump doesn't know what's going on, so he surrounded himself with the right people. Dr. Fauci has come out and said that several times. He's impressed by that. He's impressed that he actually listens to those people instead of just go, okay, I'm just going to go out here and say whatever, and you all can clean up if I say anything wrong. No, he listens to them. That's, the, that's also an impressive thing. The most powerful man in the world who doesn't know something actually gets advice and help from people who do and then listens to them. And go, okay, how are we going to work with that? How are we going to take that information and apply it to the situation? How are we going to take that information and actually make something that's useful for the people? That's something a true leader does. My generation doesn't have many people to look up to. And you can say, oh, they have plenty of people. They have Kim Kardashian. They have Jimmy Fallon. No, these aren't leaders. Those are celebrities. Celebrities should never be looked at. The only reason I would not classify Donald Trump as a celebrity that you shouldn't look up to is because he had led businesses for many, many years before he went on television to do The Apprentice show. Alright, yeah, he's a celebrity now because of that show. Maybe even some of the celebrity, you know, guest appearances he had done over the years. But that's nothing that he's a celebrity. He was a business leader through all those times. So he's a leader. I also want to talk about some other leaders that I have that I look to. And this is what my next generation that the people in my generation, the, the people a little bit younger to me, and the people a little bit older to me, they need to actually look for true leaders in times of major crisis. 
And now when I say that, some people want to immediately jump to, well, really great leader was FDR. President Franklin D. Roosevelt. And to be honest, I don't think he was all that great. He had an unbelievable challenge in front of him. And he had two leaders on either side of him that actually did more leadership abilities to look to than FDR. FDR could speak. FDR could say things to calm the country down during that time. However, what he believed and what he said did not line up all the time. I wouldn't even say majority of the time. He really, really put this country in a bad place several times. And we're still dealing with a lot of the nonsense that he put in place. So don't go to FDR as a leader because I will destroy you every single time if you put FDR as a leader. Now, speaking of that time, one of the people that led way more better, way better, way more better, way better than FDR was Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is a phenomenal hero, hero of mine. I have the opportunity to have read some of his work that he wrote, some of his history books, and I have several copies of them, and they are phenomenal. If you ever get the chance to read them, read them. They, I mean, they are packed with information. Some of them aren't light reads because he's detailed, and, and it's just really good. He does embellish some of the scenarios in there, and I'm like, Okay, but what victor doesn't? I mean, history is written from the victor, for sure. Uh, you know, and, and if you embellish a little bit, I, I don't have a huge problem with that. He was a flamboyant character. He had this personality that was larger than life, and some people didn't like that. But when push came to shove, he led his country England and even the world for that matter through some of the darkest days that we've ever seen you know we were more connected then than we've ever had been at that point now now we are now with the internet and stuff like that but people could go back and forth you know cross country across the Atlantic through different countries by boat at that by really nice boat and it just it took uh, about you know a couple of days versus taking months. We had airplanes that you could fly back and forth. Uh, just starting to come out with that, and they were usually single or double piloted planes, but they weren't. So they weren't really commercial airlines yet. They were, you know, like the Spirit of St. Louis and stuff like that. And you know, but he led during a time of crisis with absolute resolve. One of my favorite movies depicts him, and it's called The Darkest Hour. If you if you want to see a movie about a man doing leadership and the pressure that he was under, watch that movie. He was under a tremendous amount of pressure and did what he could not to break. There was people trying to, you know, get him out of office, you know call for vote of no confidence on them in Parliament. I'm so glad 
that we don't have those type of rules here. We don't. We're very similar to the parliament over in our Congress is over in uh, is very similar to par- parliament over in England, but we don't have rules that they do. And there, there, there's good reason that we don't have those rules. But, you know, they, they wanted to call a vote of no confidence on him. And they tried to do that. People in his own cabinet tried to do that. And, and it, you know, it's just some crazy things. And he's sitting there, like, leading up to Dunkirk. The amount of pressure he was under and, and, and facing the possibility of losing that many men it just absolutely insane to me I don't know how you could face losing that many men at one time you know when you I didn't see the movie Dunkirk I wanted to see I just haven't seen it but they had a you know they had almost almost like 400,000 people men stationed uh, there at Dunkirk and if if they had you know been if they had been wiped out there it would have been over it would have been absolutely over if those 400,000 men were wiped out now not all of them were, were British soldiers some of them were French and Dutch but still, there was four, almost 400,000 men there. That's an astronomical number. Why was that many people in one area? That, that, that many troops. That's pretty much the entire troop. Uh, that's the entire army, the military, was there. It would have been over. World War II would have been over. England would have fa- fallen to Nazi Germany. It would have been over. But... Being a true leader, Winston Churchill stood in that moment. And he rallied the citizens. It's a cool story. Go look it up. Watch it. It kind of leads into the Dunkirk story. Because uh, he's standing there. And, and that was that was the turning point. That was, uh, that was the turning point. Uh, if you really want to see something... Where one of the reasons I say that that FDR wasn't a true leader is in that movie. There's a moment when Churchill reaches out and said, hey, I need the equipment that we bought for you. And and FDR said, no, we can't do that. That's a lack of leadership. Leaders should support his allies. And that was a lack of leadership right there. FDR was willing to let England die and fall to Nazi Germany and then to give them the equipment that we had sold them already. We had already received payment for it. And then we wanted to stab them in the back and said, no, you can't have that right now. That's not, that's not right. It's not right at all. That's one of the reasons. And another reason was FDR willing with a lot of the Axis powers. And he was cozying up way too close to Stalin at with the USSR. You know, at the moment, you know, you you have this idea of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, we cozy up way too much with 
the USSR during that time. You know, I mean, we couldn't have fought them and Germany, and and I don't I don't think we could. We had to have their help in that time, but we we cozy up way too close to them. And FDR was part of the problem. He wanted to bring some of that stuff into America, and that was. He had people who idolized Stalin on his staff in his State Department. But anyway, I digress with that story of that. But because the, the issues looking at Winston Churchill and what the true leader did during that time. He stood in the gap. When all hope looked lost, Winston Churchill made a call to all the citizen boats to go get his people. That's what a true leader does. He finds a way. He finds a way to save his people. And unfortunately, we have too many spineless people in in Congress right now. And honestly, we have too many spineless people in churches right now. Churches are too much accommodating to the, the culture. And they're not doing their job of standing and going, you know what, we have to push back on the culture. We can't let this happen. We can't. These radical agendas come into the, the to the church. We have to stand firm on the word of God and go, this is the truth, and we're not going to waver from it. But unfortunately, too many churches are. You know, last I think it was last year, might have been the year before, the United Methodist Church had their annual conviction and was going to vote on whether or not they were going to affirm homosexuality and allow uh, gays and lesbians to be ministers to be ordained and, and, and preach from the pulpit. If it wasn't for the international church, especially the, the United Methodist Church of Africa, coming to that convention and voting no on that, it would have happened. It would have passed. Because we have too many spineless people in the Methodist church. And not only the Methodist church denomination, but in all of the denominations. We've got the Southern Baptist, arguably the largest Protestant denomination in America who are bowing down to critical race theory and this wokeness. We can't have that. We need true leaders to stand up and say, no, that is wrong. That goes against scripture. We can't do that. Why would we do that? Yes, I believe that in our history we've had moments of racism. For sure. Maybe even long moments of racism. But we cannot correct that by trying to bow down to a theory that doesn't fit our time. That wants to put us in boxes and cripple us. Truly wants to stand up for the word of God. We have to put aside what's being placed on us by the culture. You know, there's this idea that... We have to just accommodate. And we can't... We can't accommodate. And it's too much to try and do that. Alright. There's this idea. And I, I, I'm bringing this up. You know. When we... I think this applies... Especially when we're talking about the church and lack of leadership in the church, right? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great 
a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. All right. Why are we letting culture entangle us with nonsense? We have the word of God and it's scripture. It's the scriptures that was handed down through the generations to us. And now we want to say, oh, we got to add critical race theory. And we got to add this wokeness stuff. And we've got to add this. And we got to add that, oh, God didn't really mean this. And this is okay. And that's, you know, everything's relative. We can't do that. We have to stand on the word of God and go, this is foundation. It's the same thing in, in government. We cannot stand down and and go okay well whatever we're gonna have to change a little bit here no we have to stand on the foundation which was laid out in the united states constitution it's not hard this isn't rocket science this is very simple very straightforward but some people are stupid i I can't, I can't sit there and, and just let this happen and let stupid people, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, run all over the Constitution. I have a real problem with that. It's the same thing when I see churches that are running all over Scripture and going, oh, you know, you know let's take this out. Let's not preach on this. and Let's only preach on love and... You know, Jesus is love, and that's how we should love everybody. Okay, yeah, I'm called to love. I do love everybody. I don't hate anybody at all, whatsoever. I hate things people do. I don't necessarily hate Nancy Pelosi. I hate the things she stands for. I hate what she stands stands for. I really do. It, it, it bothers me to my core. Do I hate her? No. Not at all. I don't hate anybody. But I hate evil. And, I, and, and when someone stands for evil, I have to separate and go, that's wrong. That's evil. We cannot associate with that. So why in the world are they there? Quite honestly, I do believe Nancy Pelosi is evil. She's full of hate. She's full of evil. She's been deceived by the world. She's been deceived by Satan. And yet, she's in office. And yet, she's one of the most powerful people in the world as Speaker of the House. What are we doing, church? What are we doing, people of God? Why are we letting this happen? Why are we not putting godly people in office? Why are we not letting the church run as it's supposed to run? Why? Why are we not doing this? I really want an answer. If you have an answer, please email the campaign. Email me. Reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. But please tell me why we're letting the world run itself in such a way that encumbers us and says, Church, if you want to work in this world and be a part of this world, you have to do what we say, not what the Bible says. Oh, that's old-fashioned. That that was meant for back in the day when Jesus was here. Oh, by the way, we don't believe in Jesus, so, you know, that, that's just a book. Why, you know, that's what the world's doing. And quite honestly, as the church, we're accepting that. Why? I have no idea why. 
as Republicans, as conservative on the political spectrum, we're accepting that we have to just play along with their games. Oh, well, you know, maybe maybe we can sneak one. Maybe, maybe if we're lucky, we'll have one item that we want in this bill. Oh, oh but they, they get, you know, the whole bill is liberal nonsense, but, you know, they really let us did that one thing. They let us increase the military budget by 0.002%. Yeah, yeah, but they, you know, you know, they, they said, you know, they can have, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars going to Planned Parenthood. But, you know, the military got their budget increased by 0.001%. And, oh, that's phenomenal. We got that, we got that increase for the military. Why, why are we associating with evil people? Conservatives, why are we playing that game? Christians, why are we playing the game with the world? Stop being little pansies. Stand up, take the right we have, and go for it. I have this theory. Alright? Some people disagree with me. So, for a long time, there's been this two, two ideas of leadership. The first idea of leadership is kind of the dictator leadership. All right, everything that I say goes. There's no ifs and buts about it. If you disagree with me, there's the door. Don't let it hit yourself on your way out. You know, that's that's one type of leadership. The other type of leadership is kind of the opposite of that. It's called servant leadership. And some people really want to say this is the style of leadership that Jesus did. I don't, I don't think it is, but that's okay. Uh, this is the, I'm not saying he did the dictatorship either. I, I'll get to that. This is the type of leadership that we have to serve everybody. We have to become a doormat, be a spineless, you know, be a spineless leader. But we're, you know, we're the leader. We're the leader, but, you know, oh, I really have to take into consideration 100% what you say. And, you know, I may disagree with that, but we have to go to that because I don't want to hurt your feelings. That's what servant leadership is to me. I've seen that too many off, too many times, too often, and people just run over pastors, run over business owners, run over trying to be. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. I believe there's a third option, and it's called sonship or daughtership leadership. All right, it's a mouthful. I'm trying to pioneer this idea, all right? This is the idea that as believers in Christ, we're given authority because Christ was given authority. You know, all authority has been given to him. And then he gave that authority to us to be witnesses in all of Jer Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of Samaria and into the ends of the earth, all right? The idea of a sonship authority is knowing who you are, And acting upon it. Knowing who you are. And acting upon it. Now. People want to disagree with me. And say you're falling into this. This dictator style leadership. There are times. When leaders have to stand up and go. No this is what we're doing. Because this is the way it is. We're not doing that. Why? Because that's unethical. Oh it's okay for you to take money from a foreign government. 
for your campaign. It's okay. That's okay to do. That's okay to do it. No, that's not okay. It's illegal by law. A servant leader might say, I really need that money. And someone's telling me it's okay, so I might as well do it. No, that's not okay. You know, it would be standing up and putting the wedge in the ground and saying no. They're on the line in the same. That's what sonship leadership is. It's who we are. That we are a child of God. That we are made in his image. That we are his authority on earth right now. And so therefore, we have to stand up and we have and we have to stand in that gap and be a true leader. Serving people all the time doesn't do anybody good. Because it just shows that you are a pushover. But when you when you do it in the right attitude, when you do it the way Christ did it, he really just stood when he had to and said, No, this is it. This is what this is my path. Get behind me, Satan. Why have you turned in my father's house into a den of den of thieves? This should be a house of prayer. But no. And he runs around and flips over tables and he makes a whip right there in the middle of the temple. Where did he get the leather? Where did he get the stuff? How? I mean, I'm assuming he knew how to make it from Joseph. But how did he get the stuff to make it? Did he take his belt off and started making it? Oh, we're going to take this belt and swish it around from being a belt to a, to a whip. That's what sonship authority. When the reins really and step up and be okay, this is what we're doing and we're not moving from this, that's what a true leader does. But at the same time, they take you into consideration. I believe Donald Trump is operating in a sonship leadership authority right now. He knows who he is. He knows what he has to do and he's acting upon it. But he's taking the time to go Okay, I don't know everything in this area, so I need to learn. I need to surround myself with the best people. And that's what he's done. Winston Churchill did that. In his darkest time when he wanted to run away and hide because he knew he failed with 400,000 men sitting on the beaches in France dying because of air raids from the Germans. He realized, I can step up and take authority and turn this around, and he did that. One of my all-time favorite heroes and people I look up to for role model is President Abraham Lincoln. I think he exhibited this sonship authority greater than anybody else in the world other than Jesus. And then I think a close second to, to Abraham Lincoln is George Washington. Now I'm going to end this podcast talking about that with Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln inherited one of the greatest crises the world has ever known. And that was the enslavement of man. Slavery had been around for a long time. Slavery had been abolished in England about 50 years prior. We in America, fun fact, 
are about 50 years behind what Europe is doing, roughly. So we have this great push towards socialism and a unified government under socialistic powers. In the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, the EU started. The ideas and the push for the EU started. We're there. Abolitionism. Abolitionism. I think that's a word. The abolishment of the slave trade had been around in America for a long time. Ben Franklin was a huge proponent of it. Thomas Jefferson was a huge proponent of it. People always want to say they're racist. They let slavery happen. No, they had the foresight to knew, to know that if we abolish slavery now, our country won't survive and we'll be back under British control. So they had to take time and go, you know, we've done a lot and we've actually devastated our economy with this war. We killed the rug out of the only thing that's keeping it afloat right now. But we can push toward efforts to prevent it from spreading. And that's what they did. So now, people, we move ahead. Abraham Lincoln was a leader who had to be activated in his time. He tried and he failed. He tried and he failed. And he tried and he failed. But he kept getting back up. He knew he was destined for greatness. He knew that he had a moment in time when he would have to stand and go, okay, what is the right thing to do here? What is the thing that God's called me to do in this moment? That was to end slavery. He fought on that. He worked on that. He did that. It was a core tenet of his campaign. It was a core tenet of his presidency. And he kept getting stopped. And the South kept rumbling. The liberals in the South wanted to do everything they could to prevent the slavery um, movement. They wanted to keep it. Some of these people were pure evil. Some of the slave owners were pure evil. Some of them had slaves because of laws that were already in the books. I, I think I've talked a little bit about it on a previous episode that there was laws in Virginia that you couldn't free your slaves if you had debt. That's why Thomas Jefferson could not free his slaves. You could not free your slaves if you were married. And... George Washington was married and he could not free slaves because he had married someone with slaves. There's laws like that that was very hard to overcome. But Lincoln stood in the face of that. And he said, we have to do this. This is the right thing to do. And he took us and led us through one of the darkest times this country has ever known. We know it is the Civil War. It's tough to read stories from the Civil War. Civil War is one of the greatest pieces of history we could ever learn from. We could be heading toward another Civil War. But this Civil War is not over slavery of blacks or African Americans. This is 
a civil war over the f slavery of all men and women. It is a, it's a war over ideas. We need more people to stand in that gap and lead us through that with resolve and kindness and charity and with malice toward none, as Abraham Lincoln said. When Lincoln was faced with a great challenge, he rose to it. He looked at the, the war and he did everything in his power to keep the country together. Some people want to say he abused power by doing different things like suspending habeas cor uh, cor corpus in, in Congress, surrounding the capital of Maryland to prevent them from voting to succeed to the South because he knew that if Washington, D.C. was surrounded by southern states, it wouldn't be long before it fell. Those might have been some abuse of powers, but they were necessary. In times of war, the President of the United States is granted more power because he is the commander-in-chief of the military, of the army, of all of it. He's the commander-in-chief. So you expect him to have more power. It's what they do with that power that makes him a true leader. Lincoln took that power and did what was absolutely necessary. No more, no less. He led this country through that time. When everything looked like it was going to be a loss, he realized he needed people to be placed in the right positions. He changed generals several times before we got to General Grant because those generals were failing him. They were leading to loss after loss after loss. But he did what was necessary. He did not want to overstep his bounds. He had meetings constantly with people to do it. He had to work hard to get the passage of the of the amendment to end slavery. It took him a while. It took him a while to pass the 13th Amendment. But when he did, the war was about over. Took him pretty much the entire, uh, entire time to do that. When he passed it, slavery was ended, but it wasn't. It wasn't the end of the war. He had to keep doing it, and he had to keep fighting. And he was there. And he stood in that gap. And he led us through that time. And it was troubling for him. He had advisors from both sides of the aisle. And it was really crazy. And he really did something 
That was absolutely insane. He wanted to really keep the country together. And he presented an idea that a lot of people hated. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his forest orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace and with all nations. Lincoln didn't see enemies. He saw people of the same nation. He fought hard to keep this nation together. He fought hard to keep this nation going. He fought hard that no one would have grudges toward each other. That's what a true leader does. A true leader works to figure out the problem. And then when he figures it out, he provides a true solution to it. I talked about three heroes of mine today in this podcast. President Donald Trump. The British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. And President Abraham Lincoln. Most people might be like, why is Jesus not on that list? Well, Jesus is on that list. But I could never be greater than Jesus. I could never do more than what Jesus has. So there's really no reason for me to include him on a list of leadership that I'm striving to be like and greater than obviously as a believer I should be striving to be like Jesus and to walk the way he walked and to be like he was and is but I can never be greater than what he did I think if we put up people that we are that we can never be greater than doesn't help us We need people that we can look at and go, okay, I see what they've done. I can do the exact same thing they've done, and I can move forward and further than they have ever been because I I know where they are and where they've been and how they got there. But with Jesus, I can't die for the sins of the world. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to lead better than anyone has ever led before. And seeing people like Trump, Churchill, and Lincoln gives us opportunity to actually grow and be better than they were. Everybody has their flaws. 
person out of those three that I mentioned that really didn't you know that that was actually truly humble was probably Lincoln both Trump and Churchill are pompous asses to be frankly they did a lot of things for show they do a lot of things for show Churchill would hide little like he would take paper clips and stick them in his pipes so he could have a long ash as an intimidation factor on his cigars Trump calls people nicknames like Mini Mike. You know, Sleepy Joe. Crazy Bernie. Pocahontas. I mean, he does that. That's a flaw of his. I don't necessarily disagree with it, but and it's quite funny some of the nicknames he gives. But we can look to him and be better. As I close, I I really just want you to think about that. And especially those who are part of the next generation. I keep saying it's the next generation, but it's my generation. It's the now generation. The ones who are a little bit younger than me. The ones who are a little bit older than me. The ones who are supposed to take the reins off of the, the older generation, the previous generation. We have a lot to look forward to. We need to change our focus on celebrities and on true leaders. We have to do that. We have to do it now. We have to do it decisively. And we have to do it quickly. Because if we keep following celebrities, we won't be any better than what we are. We won't be leaders. And then the generation after us will definitely be in more shape than than we are. We're ready. We're willing. We're looking for people to help teach us and guide us. And to show us what true leadership is like. And if you're not going to show us, then we're going to have to look elsewhere. And if you're not going to provide opportunities for us to lead, we're going to look elsewhere or we're going to take it. And we shouldn't be that way, but that's just the way it is. We can't gain experience by still sitting in the pew or in a chair in the back of the classroom. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for being here in whatever setting you are. I'm happy to speak with you today. This has been the Phil Arlinghouse program, and I'm your host, Phil Arlinghouse. God bless you. God bless America. God bless President Trump. God bless Tennessee.